really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. Here today to bring you our fifth WVU basketball update of the 2018 season. Now into the year 2019. Took a little hiatus for the holidays, for Christmas, and um, for New Year's, but now we're back, ready to get at it again and uh, talk some Mountaineer basketball. I'm joined, as always, by Justin Eller. How's it going, Justin? Doing pretty good, man. How about you? I can't complain, you know. Um, ready to have a good 2019, and hopefully uh, West Virginia follows suit with that and has a good rest of the year as well. So it's been a, been a while since we've uh, talked some Mountaineer basketball, so... A lot of games are taking place, and rather than to get in all the games that take place, we're just going to kind of discuss the overall state of the team here uh, recently as conference play has started, and then get into uh, previewing this upcoming week's games. Um, most recently, West Virginia started a, a Big 12 conference play against Texas Tech. Tough fault game there. They lost 62-59, to came down to the wire. Um, you know, pretty impressive effort, actually, by the Mountaineers. They held a few leads in that game. I think a lot of people counting them out beforehand in that one. Um, uh, what, was you in, more encouraged by that game uh, due to the fact that West Virginia did stick with Texas Tech, or was you kind of discouraged just because what caused them to lose is kind of the same problems they've had all season, you know, poor free throw shooting and, and turning the ball over too much? Uh, I, was, I was definitely discouraged uh, for one reason and one reason only. Uh, their Texas Tech's best player, Jared Colfer, was on the bench the entire first half. We had three fouls, and we did not take advantage of that situation. And then he comes out in the second half and uh, finishes the game with, I want to say, 90 points. Let me double-check the box score here. Uh, anyways, he comes out in the second half. You know, he's cold didn't play the whole first half. We had a chance to really put it on. We was up early, and we just went in about a 10-11 minute scoring drought. Couldn't put the ball in the basket. Ultimately, let Texas Tech just come back when really it should have been an easy game and an easy victory based on the way the game started out for West Virginia. And uh, Culver finishes with 18 points, all of those coming in the second half. So I was discouraged for that simple fact that uh, we had 32, 34 free throw attempts and we only made 18. So, uh, yeah, it's not a good look when you go to the line 32 times and can only make 18 attempts and you lose by 30. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The free throw shooting was abysmal, and there's uh, really no excuse for that one. You know, I thought the defensive game plan was really good, and I thought that uh, the the main reason that Jarrett Culver uh, was kind of held in check a lot, a lot was I thought Wesley Harris played great defense man to man on him until Wesley Harris got in some foul trouble, and then late in that game, Wesley Harris fouled out, and that's when you saw Culver uh, really go on a run and, and Texas Tech uh, be able to get the win, but. I, kind of, I like what I've seen from Wesley Harris uh, defensively. kind of reminds me of, you know, uh, what Devin Ebanks was uh, defensively for West Virginia back in the days, long, lengthy. And, you know, he can shut down an opposing team's uh, best player, I feel like. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, Wesley's had a good season. Uh, started out a little slow. I mean, everybody did. But uh, 
Uh, here lately, Wesley Harris has probably been our second best player um, outside of Derek Culver, and you know he's a, he's a good defender. Uh, we all knew that. He he makes good plays, and um, I mean he's he's playing good. It's just we we don't have a whole team effort night in and night out. And uh, another bad thing about the Texas Tech loss, uh, you lose by three points. And what's wild about this, if you look at the box score, Texas Tech goes three of eighteen from three. That's sixteen percent. Okay, so they shoot 38% from the field, 21 of 55. Uh, they take 12 more shots than West Virginia. So, I mean, really when you look at it, uh, this should have been a game where West Virginia wins. You know, you got a team that shoots 16% from the three-point line. That team's not going to win probably eight out of ten times. And then we turn it over 22 times. I mean, that that's an issue there in itself. Uh, the free throws and turnovers probably lost us that game, but – I mean, you got a team that shoots that bad as, as Texas Tech did, and you still can't win. Plus, at home, uh, I mean, that just goes to show you right there that the team has no idea how to win. And uh, I think it's got to the point now where our season's on the line. Uh, we have to win these two games this week, and if we do not win, if, especially if we lose both of them, uh, I think our season's over early. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's coming to uh... – to a point where it's going to be make or break time here soon. West Virginia's going to have to start uh, getting some wins, especially if they want to have a chance to uh, outside chance to be on the bubble and possibly make the NCAA tournament. So I mean, um, you know, like you said, uh, Wesley Harris has played good, Culver's played good, and for the most part, the front court for West Virginia has played good. You know, um, Lamont West and Issa have been you know inconsistent still yet, but the trouble for West Virginia is the back court, the guard play is uh, still struggling and. Um, you know, continuing and to talk about the opening of the Big 12, you know, flash forward to uh, Saturday's game against Texas. And, you know, uh, West Virginia was, you know, in that one as well. And and that was surprising because, you know, they were kind of limited even more so in guard play with that one because Brandon Knapper was uh, suspended for that game. Violation of team rules is what it's called. So you had uh, Jermaine Haley getting the start. Uh, Jordan McCabe seeing a lot more playing time. But, um you know the the point guard. I think uh, the play or the play of the guards in general really is what's really hurting West Virginia. You know, very inconsistent not only from the point guard but from the other guard spot as well. Chase Harler kind of started off the year all right, but has really uh, fell back here lately. I think against Texas, he only played about six minutes, um, just not hitting his shots, not getting it done. And you know, uh, Bolden, he's battling injuries. He's had a, he's had his moments, but you know, he's not 100%. I feel like, but they are trying to play him off the ball more, which I think is helping. But uh, just talk talk for a minute about the guard play and what you're seeing from West Virginia and what's lacking there. You think? I think the thing that's lacking the most out of guard play is just smart decisions when they have the ball. I mean, you got I know Lamont West and Issa Mods not guards, uh, but they can handle the ball and against Texas Tech. Lamont West, Bolden, and Issa combined for 13 turnovers. And, you know, those are three guys that have started for at least two years now or they have been in the starting lineup at some point in their career. And, uh, you know, that's two juniors and seniors, so that's really three leaders on the team outside of Kanate and Wesley Harris as far as experience goes. And, you know, you got your got your three guys that are supposed to help these younger players out and they're turning the ball over 13 times. So that just doesn't uh, – it's not a good look at all. And, uh, I, I, you know, that's the biggest struggle all year has been turnovers. And uh, they just – they still – I mean, they, they had 12 turnovers against Texas, but uh, one of the best games we played all year as far as turnovers go, we still lose. So 
obviously uh, turnovers isn't the only problem. It's just an all-around. You just got to look at it in multiple multiple directions, and there's just problems everywhere you look, whether it's on defense, staying in front of the ball, rotating the shooters, uh, just making smart plays in transition. Uh, Brandon Naber had an easy transition against Texas and committed one of the worst turnovers I've seen, so. Yeah, it's 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 hard, you know, when you got young guys back there, inexperienced, and that's you know what the biggest thing to me is they're just lacking experience, especially at the guard spot. But you know, all around, uh, really as a whole, the team is you know you got a few guys with experience, but not a lot. So it's um, it's been a struggle thus far in a lot of areas. Um, like you said, turnovers, and then against Texas, you know, like you said, they only turned it over 12 times, but then they shoot five for 20 from three-point range. So it's like they can't get a good shooting night and a night where they don't turn the ball over. You know, can't have those both happen on the same night yet, and they need to get that. Uh, if, they, if they have a game like that, you know, they, they, they've shown that they can beat, you know, almost anybody in the league, you know, outside of maybe Kansas. You know, Texas Tech was a very good team, and they were right there neck and neck with them. And, you know, that's without your best – arguably your best player, Sagaba Kanate, who's uh, still out, been out for a couple weeks um, – Still out for, you know, the foreseeable future. Don't really have a date on it. Um, luckily, Derek Culver, as we mentioned, was reinstated, and he's been a big bright spot for this team. He's played four games so far and arguably had his best game against Texas, 17 points and nine rebounds. Um, what do you think about the Kanate issue? Uh, do you think he's going to come back before the season's up? Uh, do you think him sitting out as much as he had is going to mean that he's going to come back next year likely and what do you think about Derek Culver uh, I don't really know much about the Kanate situation uh, personally I don't really think that the injury is as serious as he's playing it out to be but then again you know I could be wrong uh, I just think that uh, him going to the NBA to get you know kind of feedback last year over the summer and see where he was at as far as his draft status I think it kind of just messed his whole level of play up, and I just I don't think he's you know all the way with the team. I think it'd be different if you know we were not in the midst of a down year. You know, maybe you might see him out on the court, but uh, I just think where we're struggling and uh, have a lack of confidence overall as a team. I just I think if he does come back, I don't think we see him give maximum effort like he used to. And uh, on the Culver side of things. Uh, I like what I see with Culver. I think he's the best player on the team as of right now. I mean, it's really hard to argue for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you got a guy that comes in middle of the season, and these guys, the rest of the team's been playing all year long, and they still can't get it together. Then you plug Culver in, and right off the jump, he's contributing more than really anyone has all season in any game, as you mentioned, against Texas, 17 points, 9 rebounds. It was also 8 of 12 from the field. Um, so that's a high shooting percentage. Um, he only had one turnover, which is good. So Culver looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he has a better offensive game down low than Kanate does. Uh, the future, uh, obviously, I think, next two years, I think the Mountaineers will be back on track uh, starting next season. Uh, I think you see some guys transfer this year. A um, couple guys that, you know, they just look like they don't fit in and uh, don't match the play style that Huggins wants to play, but uh, I think you get Culver next year and throw in the Pigo and Oscar Schwebe. Uh, and I think those two down low really elevate us next season. But as far as this year goes, I don't really expect much from Kanate. Um, it would be awesome if he came back, obviously. Uh, I still think he's the best player on the team when he's healthy. So uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But 
Uh, I don't really anticipate uh, a huge comeback from Kanate, especially if we keep losing games. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think that uh, Culver's emergence has been a uh, big part because, you know, there was a point in time where I think a lot of Mountaineer fans thought that they'd never get to see Derek Culver, and he was a high-rated recruit. And he's one of those guys that has lived up to that potential and, and probably and then some. I mean, his, re- his rebounding ability is very impressive. Uh, gets a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, he's probably the best rebounder on this team, even with Kanate. Just natural talent. Uh, Derek Culver's right up there. And, you know, like you said, his offensive game down low is uh, probably better than Kanate. So, um, and then speaking on Kanate, you know, I just don't see with him sitting out the length of time that he has, plus he's probably going to sit out even longer. Who knows? how long he may or may not be out. But um, having done that, you know, I don't see how he could uh, go to the NBA and expect to get drafted. If anything, he'll probably do like Devin Williams did in the past and go go overseas for a little bit, then try and get into the G League and then maybe to the NBA. But, you know, I think that him sitting out in this injury, um, you know, you there's a greater chance of him returning uh, next season now than there was before. And like you said, that would be huge. West Virginia's front court would be absolutely dominant with uh, Kanate, Culver, and Oscar Shuboy. And then, of course, and guys like Andrew Gordon there as well. And the backcourt would have experience then too. Um, you know, these freshmen would have a year of experience. Still have uh, James Bolden. So I think that that would be um, a very uh, bright spot for West Virginia if Kanate does decide to come back. This team could be really dangerous next year. But, um, you know, talking uh, more specifically about this year, getting back to it, um, West Virginia loses to Texas Tech to start Big 12 play and then goes on the road and loses to Texas, which is the first time they've lost a Big 12 opening road game since joining the conference, actually. So West Virginia sits 8-6, and 0-2 oh in the conference right now with two games coming up this week. And we're going to get set to preview both those games uh, right now. So... West Virginia takes on Kansas State Wednesday, January 9th. That game's going to be on ESPNU at 7 p.m., and it's in Manhattan, Kansas. Both teams are 0-2 in the conference, so both teams are looking to get their first conference win. Probably going to be a hard-fought battle. West Virginia, as I said, is 8-6, while Kansas State's 10-4. The big storyline from this game probably is that both the team's best players and two of the better players in the conference are not going to be active in this one. As we mentioned, Kanate out for West Virginia, and then Dean Wade is out for Kansas State still yet. I believe this will be the sixth uh, game in a row he's missed, fifth or sixth. So um, what are your opening thoughts on this matchup between West Virginia and Kansas State as both teams look for the first conference win and West Virginia goes on the road to Manhattan? It's uh, it's one of them toss-up games. You know, you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh you know, Kansas State gets blown out by Texas by 20, but then they bounce back and they pretty much almost the same final score against Can- or against Texas Tech. Uh, they lose to Texas Tech 63-57 on Saturday. Um, so it's kind of one of them games where both teams are kind of inconsistent. Uh, Dean Wade is out, uh, which helps West Virginia, even though you don't, you know, you don't like to see a player sit out. You know, we want. You know, we support the league, the whole Big 12. You know, we want the best players to be on the court Absolutely. Uh, for every team. So uh, that's a blow to Kansas State. But that is a uh, point of emphasis that WVU can take advantage of with him being out. So uh, I think if we just limit Barry Brown uh, for Kansas State, kind of make him have a tough game, uh, we can walk out of there with a win. 
So, I don't know. I think, uh, honestly, I think West Virginia finds another way to lose another game. I could see us starting out 0-3 in Big 12 play uh, after tomorrow night. So, I'm going to go with Kansas State with the win at home uh, just for the simple fact that West Virginia hasn't showed me yet all season that they can win a game that's important. And uh, each game, as the season goes on, is more important than the last, especially with an 8-6 and six record already. So, uh, I mean, if we turn it around tomorrow night, it would be nice. But I uh, look for us to start 0-3 in conference play. Yeah, I'm, w- I'm with you. It's a toss-up type of game, you know, especially with uh, both the star players out. And, um, you know, as far as West Virginia is concerned, if they could somehow find a way to win both these games this week, they're actually not in a bad, bad a spot as it seems because they'd be 10-6, and 2-2 two and two in the conference. Um, a lot of games left to play ahead of them. And I feel like if West Virginia can just find a way to finish a, to figure out how to finish a game and win at the end, um, it would give them a lot of confidence and, you know, they'd be able to win more games going forward. So, you know, hopefully they can do that at Kansas State. You know, um, I think I think Dean Wade being out is going to be a, a big chance for Culver to shine in this game. I think he's got a great chance of uh, having a great game down there. You know, he's averaging 11 points, over seven rebounds in the four games that he's played. Um, he'll be probably matched up with Xavier Sneed down there at Kansas State, who's another good player, averaging double digits and scoring. And then, like you said, the senior guard, uh, Barry Brown, and then the other senior guard, Stokes, both averaging double digits. So, West Virginia will need to find a way to try and defend them. And I think it's the type of game it's going to come down to the wire. But, uh, you know, I, I think West Virginia finds a way to win. I, I They're going to have to do it at some point. So, uh you know, I think they know that this week's a very important week because these are two winnable games for them. And I think that they have a bad taste in their mouth from, you know, the two Texas teams. They could have won arguably either one of those games. So I think that they're going to find a way to get in there in Manhattan and get a W. So I'm going to predict, predict a close West Virginia W in Manhattan, uh, mainly on the back of Derek Culver um, with Kansas State missing Dean Wade. I think he has a big game. So um, having said that, then West Virginia's second game coming up this week is another conference contest. This time it's at home, and it'll be Saturday, January 12th, also on ESPNU, but this one will take place at noon, and they will take on Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State currently is 6-8 and and 0-2 and in the conference. Um, they play Texas tonight, so at the time of this recording, they're 6-8. and The record will be different by the time they play West Virginia, but win and lose, Oklahoma State's going to be co- – win or lose, Oklahoma State's going to be coming into that game with a losing record, whether, whether it be 6-9 and or 7-8, and so – uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State averages 70 points per game, also gives up 70 points per game. West Virginia averages 76 points per game, gives up 72 points per game. So um, kind of similar scoring-wise in what they're scoring and what they're giving up. Uh, you know, two teams also going to be looking for wins. You know, West Virginia could be 0-3. Oklahoma State could be 0-3 at this time. So you could have, uh, you know, back-to-back nights where West Virginia is playing a team looking to get their conference first conference win while they're doing that also themselves in, in back-to-back games. So um, what are your opening thoughts on the matchup against Oklahoma State um, Saturday in Morgantown? It's a game we win. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma State, I think they finished last in the conference this season. So I think that's a game that we win. Uh, I like that matchup. You know, Oklahoma State, they really don't have a – kind of like West Virginia, they don't really have a go-to guy on offense to score the points. And, you know, despite us not being really a press team this year, we're still a good defensive team at times. So uh, I look for Culver to have a big game both games this week. Like you said, against Kansas State, I think – he has a big game 
there as well. So um, I think we win that game on Saturday, and uh, I, I guess we'll, that'll get us our first win. So um, like the Oklahoma State matchup, and it's a must win, obviously. So is the Kansas State game because we got some tough games coming up uh, after uh, Oklahoma State. We got to go to TCU. They're just in the, they just got in the top twenty-five this week. They sit at twelve and one, and then after that, we turn around and play Kansas, who's seventh in the country at twelve and two. So um, these both games this week are must wins. Uh, I think we do get the Oklahoma State game. So uh, I look for us to be. Hopefully two and two, but I think we'll be one and three going into the TCU matchup after Oklahoma State. But uh, I look for us to get a victory on Saturday, and hopefully, uh, I think that'll be a game where we win by ten points or more. Yeah, I'd love to see it. You know, uh, like you said, this is a very vital part of West Virginia's schedule and two very important games. West Virginia needs to at least split these two games to, you know, have a chance going forward to. Um, finish strong, you know, possibly get on the bubble for the tournament, you know, all of that. They need to at least split these two games. Um, if they win both, then that's even bigger, but they need to at least split these two games for sure. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be a- another good matchup. Um, West Virginia seems to play a lot better in Morgantown. I think their defense has been playing better. Um, Oklahoma State, like you said, they don't really have any um, superstar player. The best player is probably Cameron McGriff, the 6'7", uh, junior forward. He leads the team in both points and rebounds, but I think Culver will be able to neutralize him. And so I'm with you. I think West Virginia wins at, uh, wins at home against Oklahoma State Saturday as well. I got them winning both games this week, uh, getting two big wins and hopefully getting some confidence about themselves going forward and maybe uh, – be able to uh, do some things because you know I don't know I don't know about you but I, I I see some improvement from this team you know yes they're still doing some things they were earlier when it comes to turnovers and you know uh, being inconsistent with their shooting uh, free throw shooting three point shooting all that but also I think they're a lot uh, have become a lot tougher defensively as the season has worn on as well as the rebound the ball a lot better uh, would you agree? Yeah, we've improved on those two aspects. It's just the problem with this team and I. The, I really the reason why I think we missed the tournament. We have one senior on the roster, and he's probably uh, not even a top five player on the team at this point in the season. And he's the mod. You know, Easta has been there. He's been in situations. He's had big games. He's had big moments. He's hit clutch shots, and he just uh, for some reason this year I don't know if it's just no chemistry with people that he's playing with, but. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta rely on your senior guy. You know, he just hasn't really done much for us this season. Um, and our jump shooting, I mean, really outside of Bolden, you know, Bolden's a catch and shoot type of guy. So, I mean, really, we don't have a player like a Christian James in Oklahoma, um, if you will, that can just come off the dribble, create his own shot, knock shots down. You know, we don't have that. Uh, like you said, we've improved on defense and defensive uh, play and rebounding, but, you know, the way basketball has changed and the way college basketball is, it's not like the old Big East days. You can't really just out-physical another team and expect to win games night in and night out. We just don't have any offensive players. Uh, You know, Jermaine Haley's played good this season, you know, as far as a role player standpoint goes, but, you know, he has really no offensive game. And uh, Wesley Harris, I mean, he can score you 18 points here, here or there, but you know, he's not really an offensive player either. Uh, and the guys that are in Lamont West and Issa Ahmad, uh, they're just inconsistent. So, um, 
I don't know. I just I think while it's good to improve on defense and offense, uh, I think the most uh, improvement that we need should be on jump shooting, and I just don't think that changes as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the The main issue is consistency when it comes to uh, this team. They're really lacking that. You know, um, like you said, Issa. Um, you know, he has he's had his good games, but Issa's also a guy that uh, he moves well without the ball. He's good cutting, curling off screens and stuff. But he has to have somebody to be able to get that to him to make that pass to him. And that goes back to the guard play that West Virginia's missing. Uh, Lamont West has been inconsistent with his shooting. You know, he'll have. 20-some one night, then, you know, won't score but a couple points the next couple games. So, you know, it's just consistency with these guys, consistency with the guard play, consistency with Issa, consistency with the shooting from Lamont. So, you know, if, if they can become consistent, they may be all right. But, um, you know, that that remains to be seen if that's going to um, ever come to fruition this season. So it's hard to say, but I, I do think Derek Culver has been a bright spot and has been – an energy guy for this team, and he's become a fan favorite as well. So I'd really like to see that, and uh, hopefully they can continue to build off that, maybe work the ball, start playing some inside out. And if teams start to focus on Culver, you know, that can open up some shots for Lamont West and Beetle Bolden and those guys um, going forward. So um, uh, having said that, that uh, pretty much uh, we'll get ready to uh, wrap this thing up, I guess. Uh, West Virginia in Big 12 play now into the 2019 portion of the 2018-2019 season. Two games in right now. Got two more coming up this week. Um, we'll be back to recap and review those after they happen next week and then preview what's to come for the Mountaineers after that. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up, Justin? Uh, get these two wins this week because after that we are, we've are got a five-game stretch where we play four ranked teams in the top 25. So get these two wins this week before that brutal schedule starts out because – we're likely going to lose a couple of those games. So we need all the wins we can get. So let's start this week. Uh, and another thing, I'd like to switch the topic for a second. And I uh, would like to congratulate Neil Brown on arriving to Morgantown. And I would also like to congratulate Shane Lyons on the hire. Uh, I think that was an absolute steal uh, to get a head coach like Neil Brown, who's obviously proved himself at Troy and has done things that have never been done in the Sun Belt Conference before. And he was only there for a short four seasons and turned that program around. So uh, it's going to be a good 2019 as far as, uh, you know, the new coaching system goes. Uh, we're going to see a new style of football team this year. and I think uh, Mountaineer fans are finally united as far as uh, everybody being on board with the football head coach. So uh, I'm going to just end, end the podcast with uh, welcoming Neil Brown to Morgantown. And uh, hopefully Mountaineers uh, can get it back on track in football this year and uh, get get his system implemented, and then hopefully we'll see this basketball team turn it around. Uh, it's got to start tomorrow night. So just end it on uh, let's get these two wins this week and uh, welcome Neil Brown and congratulate Shane Lines for getting that great hire. Absolutely. Um, great news for West Virginia football and its future. Uh, Landon Neil Brown, an outstanding coach with a high pedigree, one of the most sought-after coaches in college football. Uh, can't say enough about that. Bright future for West Virginia football. Hopefully a bright future for West Virginia basketball going forward as well. Um, 2019 has the uh, possibility to be a great year for both Mountaineer sports uh, going forward. Hopefully the basketball team can turn it around this season. Uh, but if not, they look to be well set for the future with young players like um, Derek Culver, uh, Oscar Shoeboy coming in. So uh, great time to be a Mountaineer fan going forward here in the coming years, it does appear. 
I appreciate everyone for tuning in to us here at the Country Roads Webcast, brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. We'll be back to do it again next week. Um, until next time, I'm Jordan Cruz, and for Justin Eller, let's go Mountaineers. Are you ready to party? Country Roads.